ESPN Tournament Challenge is here. And guess what? I'm doing my bracket right now. Making picks, predicting upsets, winning my bracket group, and leaving my old life as a part-time voice actor behind. Hey, you never know. And if I can do it while recording this awesome commercial, you can too. Anyone can bracket. Download the ESPN Tournament Challenge app to play the number one bracket game. Presented by Capital One. Good morning. It is time to get up with a Sunday night statement. The D in Big D stands for demolition. Is this finally the year? Meanwhile, Philly Flounders will tell you exactly what the Eagles are missing and why they won't get it back soon enough to save their season. Plus, oh, it would have been the biggest play of the year. We'll tell you the one thing you absolutely need to know about the call heard around the world. All that and more. Let's do it on a Monday morning. Orlovsky is on assignment for Monday Night Football, but we are ready to go. We're all we've got. We're all we need. RC is here. Rex is here. Let's go. Game of the season on Sunday Night Football in Dallas. The Cowboys looking to make a statement that this is finally the time. And right off the bat, RC, they would do exactly that. Opening drive. Look at Dak extending the play. Dak's going to extend the play. CeeDee Lamb is staying with his quarterback. He gets across the field. Easy touchdown for 8-8. Lamb, six catches, 71 yards. And Dallas, the early lead. And then Rex, just what you don't need on the ensuing drive. It is Donovan Wilson who's going to punch it out for Jalen Hurts. Yeah, absolutely. I was excited to see Jalen Hurts running with it, and then not so much on that. Cowboys turned that into a field goal, so it's 10-0 in favor of the Cowboys. Three minutes to go second quarter. Eagles down 17-3. It turns into A.J. Brown turning around and making a play. A.J. Brown and Stephon Gilmore were toe-to-toe the entire day, back shoulder throw. And then Micah Parsons is on everybody's toes. He makes the big sack on the second and 11. Eagles held to a field goal, 17-6. Cowboys, half minute to go in the first half, and here comes Brandon Cooks down the middle of the field. Brandon Cooks was brought into this team to stretch the football field, and late in this game, in the second half, he starts to do that. Second and goal now here, final 20 seconds of the half. That's Michael Gallup. Look at the celebration, RC. There's your guy, 24-6. In favor of the Cowboys at halftime, third quarter, Dak Prescott under pressure. The one thing you can't afford is the big mistake, and they make it here. Jalen Carter, the rookie, he's rumbling, he's fumbling, he's stumbling. Nice effort. Uh, 24-13, a 42-yard touchdown, so we're right back in the ballgame. Now, here's a monster play on a fourth down. They're going for it. And look at the stop by Stephon Gilmore. Stephon Gilmore was all over this field. He stepped up and was the number one defensive back and number one corner that this team needed. The excitement from Dan Quinn. No answers on that Philly sideline. Now seven minutes in the fourth. Eagles down 30-13. to 13. Rex, the thing they're all taught to do now is punch the football out, and it'll be Marquise yeah. Bell at the end of the play. Absolutely. And just, you can tell it's coach, and the second guy in, you always go for the football, and it's a great job right there. Well Any coached. chance the Eagles had dies there. Cowboys force three turnovers. <laughs> <Cowboys laughs> make a stay. Good for Mike McCarthy after a tough week that he had. 33 to 13. Demarcus Lawrence, curse for us a little bit. Hit him in the face over and over and over and over again until they quit. And when they quit, hit him again 
and again and again and again. It was big. We needed it. Uh, yeah, let's not sugarcoat that. We needed that. But with a couple of games left on, with, with both teams, understand as I've talked about, it's about us running our own race and, and you know checking it out there at the end. Is this the most satisfying win of the Mike McCarthy era? Uh, I would say yes. Yeah. He would say yes. Well, I mean, what a night. Put your feet up. We are commercial-free for the first 25 minutes here. We're going to be all over this game and the call from Kansas City as well. But, R.C., let's start with that. Someone mentioned a race we heard in that, right? The, yeah, what, what, yeah. what made you think about that? Well, if you look at this, two weeks ago when we knew that the Philadelphia Eagles were going to play the 49ers and the Dallas Cowboys, it was a three-horse race. And we were trying to figure out how they would jockey for position. Yeah. After these two weeks, it's a two-horse race. And now the Philadelphia Eagles have to show me that they're fast enough to not only keep up, but get back into the discussion. When you look at the last two weeks, they've been absolutely boat raced. And Rex knows this. Good teams can have bad days. You cannot necessarily be on your execution the way that you're supposed to, but you don't get bludgeoned. Right. You don't get physically dominated. People don't walk away from the game with you and lace with expletives Mm -hmm. like we heard from Demarcus Lawrence say we just hit him in the face and the word that stuck out to me was when they quit, mm, yeah. right? So you're talking about a Dallas Cowboys team that has been called a front runner, that has been called a team that won't finish, that doesn't understand how to um, in- inflict their will on other people, and they feel like they've done that to the Philadelphia Eagles. If you look at the last two weeks, the San Francisco 49ers and the Dallas Cowboys are not scared of this team. This was a team that was winning by the skin of their teeth, Mm -hmm. and now they're getting blown out of stadiums and arenas. And this is a serious problem for the Philadelphia Eagles, but if you are the Dallas Cowboys, you feel really good, right? You faced adversity on Thanksgiving, and you fought through that. Your quarterback fought through that, and you came out better on the other side. This is a team that could contend for a championship. Yeah, the better team won, plain and simple. And you know what? The tougher team won. Yeah. Now, when's the last time we could say that about a Dallas Cowboy team compared to a Philadelphia Eagle team? Yeah. But you can do it right now. And the, the biggest thing to me is, because I said it four weeks ago, that people, have cl- they have closed the gap. Mm-hmm. Both those teams, the Niners and the Cowboys, have closed the gap. And remember when I warned you about when you win by decision? Yeah. Mm-hmm. That, that's it. not the mark of a good football team. A good football team wins by knockout. Okay, and we saw it yesterday. The Cowboys knocked out the Eagles. All right, and here, here's the thing. All these, they've had eight one-score games, the Eagles have. Yes. That they've won eight one-score games. All right, and that's winning by decision. Mm-hmm. The Cowboys have won by 20 points, all right, eight times this year. All right, it's crazy. Like Those are knockouts. And those are knockouts. And then the other team, the Niners have won four by 20. Right. And so, to me, they're not in that class. Your point, RC, about they're not, they're not in that. No. And, and it's just, it's just absolutely crazy. But, but you, you think about this though, Greeny. Two weeks ago, this team was 10 and one. Yeah. We, we were talking about how this team, no five. matter what, found ways to win games against good opponents and to not even be close the last two weeks, to not even be within reach to pinch the San Francisco 49ers of the Dallas Cowboys in truth. And and this rarely happens in the NFL. This is embarrassing. These are two embarrassing performances on the biggest stage for a team that we label, let me say that I labeled as a big game football team. Well, they had a championship medal. 
And that's why they, they won those games. That's what we saw. That's why they beat Dallas in the first place. Mm-hmm. Dallas knows. Like, here's the thing. I remember sitting in a locker room in Baltimore before. All right? We used to get whipped all the time by, by Jacksonville. Yeah. All right? And I remember Ray and everybody sitting back in there. We never have to lose to this team again. Yeah. That's the mentality that it looked like Dallas was saying. So we don't ever have to lose to them. All right, let me make an excuse here for the Philadelphia Eagles because some things are excuses and some things are reasons. I understand that they have been physically bludgeoned in back-to-back games. I will also point out that when they played the 49ers last week, they were playing at a significant rest disadvantage, yes. and yes. they did it again this week. That's back-to-back games in which their opponent had played the Thursday, had the yes. mini-buy, turn around, come back, and play this. What I'm trying to say, I guess what I'm trying to That ask, matters, Green. I think it well, matters, matters significantly. Yep. So what I'm asking you is this. You know, it's my favorite question. Bad week or bad sign for the Eagles? I this is a, now this it's two is, bad weeks. This is a bad sign. Bad sign. This is a bad sign. Now, this doesn't mean that a team with championship medal, the way that Rex and I feel this team is, yeah. can't rebound. It doesn't mean that you can't get healthy playing the Giants twice and playing the schedule that the Philadelphia Eagles play down the stretch. Right. But there's also going to creep in a little bit of doubt. A little bit of doubt that says, are we what we were last year or what we felt we were at the beginning of the season? And if you're the San Francisco 49ers, if you're the Dallas Cowboys, without a shadow of a doubt, you believe you're the best team in the NFC. And the team that you're looking at to say, okay, this is our stiffest competition, ain't the Philadelphia Eagles. Right. When you look at the Philadelphia Eagles quarterback, who I absolutely love, he has to get healthy, not only get healthy, be better for four quarters. And what's leaking in here is this. Remember watching Jalen Hurts walk off of the field versus the Buffalo Bills, Mm -hmm. walk off of the field versus the Kansas City Chiefs. And we were talking about him not necessarily seeming happy. I think it's because he knew this could happen. Yeah. Perhaps. Can I just say, like, real quick. This, this defense has been a disaster in Philadelphia. Yes. All right, so the worst third, third down defense. They can't get off the field. They can't tackle either. They don't tackle well. And by the way, I mean, they had five new starters. But the biggest disappointment is the guy they got coordinating that defense because right now I can tell you exactly what they're in. They do nothing to challenge the offense, and that's their problem. The factor there, if you, if you were not following the game last night, the Eagles only had 23 minutes of possession. If you look at it and you say, well, why do they run it so little? Why do they throw it so little? Their offense was never on the field last night, and the reason for that is that their defense can't get off the field on third down. Again, yeah. they had 23 minutes time of possession. The only thing I will say is this. It now gets much harder for the Cowboys yes. than it does for the Eagles. You just mentioned the Eagles have a couple of dates with the Giants. I get it. The Giants are playing better, but that's their, their schedule is the opposite of a murderer's row. Yep. The Cowboys have to play Miami. They have to play, play Buffalo. Buffalo, and they have to play Detroit the rest of the way. So by no means should we just hand this division at this point oh, to the no, Cowboys. No, absolutely. Listen, the schedule still has to be played, and the Eagles still get an opportunity to rebound. This is the, the reigning NFC champion. Yeah. But what I'm saying is when you look at these two games, these are the litmus tests, right? We can't look at the Dallas Cowboys and always compare what they do against good teams and not do the same thing for the Philadelphia Eagles, especially when it seems those two teams will be the ones that you have to contend with. So let's put it this way. Yesterday in the NFL was about two heavyweight bouts. Yep. One of them, as we saw, ended with a decisive knockout. The other A controversial decision. Let's go to Kansas City. Patrick Mahomes and the Chiefs. 
Josh Allen and the Bills. So much at stake in this one between these two rivals that have a healthy dislike. Meanwhile, the beginning of this game belonged, RC, to that Buffalo offense. Look at James Cook on the zero blade. Joe Brady was so dialed in, especially at the beginning of this game, being able to attack the simulated pressures by the Kansas City Chiefs. Next, Bills possession wrecks the physicality. Yeah, here, here's the best running quarterback in the history of the game in the red zone. Bill, Bills take a 14-0 lead. Now it's 17-7 in the third quarter, third and three. This was a monster play. Mahomes finding Rice in the back of the end zone. This had to happen. You see they're going to go four strong. Rice is going to work the back end of the end zone. This was a huge play and a much-needed score. And it all comes down to this. We're in, under the two-minute warning. It's 20-17 Buffalo. This is Mahomes. This is Rasheed Rice. The Chiefs are on the move. They're across midfield. And then here's the moment we'll be talking about forever. That is Kadarius Toney with his foot on the imaginary red line. This is what would have been the play of the NFL season. RC, it's Travis Kelsey. He's going to throw it back. Well, think about this, though. This was not planned. Kadarius Toney was doubled. He was actually pouting after not getting the ball and getting beat up. He gets back into the play. Travis Kelsey finds him all to be foiled by Kadarius Toney himself. The man lined up at the linebacker position for the Buffalo Bills. <laughs> he, put, he put the toe in Tony. It was across the line. We have so much to say about it. In the meantime, it left one more opportunity. But the ball falls short. And the flag is not on the field. And Sean McDermott, who had a very, very rough week, can celebrate a big win. Meanwhile, Patrick Mahomes frustrated on the sideline. He's hey. got to be restrained. Listen, you'll hear him even when talking to Allen after the game. He was frustrated. Andy Reid was frustrated. This was a very, very confounding finish. There's Kadarius Toney after the game. One way or another, the conversation starts here. Let us play, man. Like, let us play the game. And then whatever happens, happens. Like, the whole throwing the flag and deciding the game one or another, um, that that that's what hurts me. In elementary school, we talk about you line up, you point to the ref, you're good, you're not good. If not, they come to you, hey, we talk. You need to get off the ball more. You need to be on the ball more. You have a discussion. I mean, that's 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 the ref's job. I mean, I mean, for him to throw that flag, no explanation, no anything. And I, I saw the pitcher, and I mean, he probably is. I mean, barely off barely off sides. But for him to to take the game into his hands over a, a call like that that doesn't affect the play at all, at all, didn't affect anything. Um, I mean, it's just tough, man. Greeny, it's a rule. I love Patrick Mahomes. Mm -hmm. He dead wrong, though. And he is. And I, and I get being frustrated. I'd be frustrated, too, if I've been the consummate professional in my locker room as my team continues to piss away games. I'd be upset, too, if I had to say maybe to MVS against the Philadelphia Eagles, I could have thrown the perfect football more perfecter, yeah. right? I would yeah. be upset, too. Yeah. But he's dead wrong here. This isn't an NBA continuation foul, right? This isn't one of those things where they go for the layup, you get bumped, they miss the layup, and then they call or blow the whistle after. He's offsides. He is lined up offsides. And so unless Patrick Mahomes is asking the official to not do his job, 
then he's wrong. Now, I also get it because you know what he's thinking? You ain't do your job last week right. when MVS was interfered yeah. against the Green Bay Packers. Mm-hmm. He's thinking you didn't do your job on the Hail Mary when we feel like Travis Kelsey has gotten pushed. But you can't go back and fix your job retrospectively as the official. Kadarius Toney was offsides. Let's just add this to the drops of the wide receiver position of the Kansas City Chiefs. Let's add this to the games that they have lost being incompetent in their requirements of doing the thing that they are paid to do. And so Travis Patrick Mahomes can be upset as he wants to. They lost this game. The officials did not take this game from them. Is it an amazing play? Hell yeah. Do I wish it stood? Hell yeah, because I like to see football handled as football is supposed to be handled. But that's exactly what the officials did. Yeah, no, they they, they got the play right. It's yeah, absolutely. It's the, you're saying it's the right call. You're a head coach in the NFL forever. That is the correct call to be made. Absolutely is. Yes. And and Greeny, to this point, I want I want everybody to understand, because I heard like Andy Reid even talking about like uh, or you know that they Protocols. give you, they tell you, right? You know they they give you a thumbs up, they do all that if you ask for, am I onside, am I off? He clearly doesn't, or the guy wouldn't have thrown the flag because he would have said you got to go back. All right, but of all the years I coached, yes, I never once because when they say they give you a warning, no, no, they give you a warning usually about your offensive tackle. Hey, mm. we got to move them up move a little up. bit. Okay, okay. okay. Uh, your defensive ends crowding the football too much. This is your one. Because those things happen every play. Every. Right? That, that, that tackle's going to line up there every play. That defensive right. end's going to be there. The receiver's not always They never, not, that not one time, not one time in all my years coaching that I have an official come up and warn me about our receiver's alignment. Never, never. Okay, so, so let me make clear. I want to make sure because I think a lot of people probably are hearing things now that they're not fully, um, they're not fully versed in. So a receiver can look over to the side judge and right. can say, am I onside, so, am I offside? So what happens is, so, so the, receiver, the receiver gets up to the line of scrimmage. Right. And as he's walking up to the line of scrimmage, right. he'll look to the sideline and he'll give a thumbs up. Right? And so when he gives the thumbs up, the official will look at him, and if he's supposed to be on the ball and he's not on the ball, he'll tell him to move up. Okay. Right? If he's supposed to be off the ball, he'll tell him to back up. Now, if you're off sides and you give the thumbs up, he will tell you if you look at him before the play to back up. Right. It, it, it's part of it's, it's part of sort of like sort of like an unspoken way of doing right. the job. To be clear, Kadarius, it's not a rule. It's, it's, it's not. not he doesn't rule, have to. The official he does not have to have do to. that. No, it is something that I think just started to happen over time as re- receivers would line up and formations would change on the ball, off the ball. But Kadarius Tony, at least from what we could see, never did that. And it still doesn't matter. Yeah. It's his job to be on side. the NFL, just so everybody understands, the NFL doesn't want to throw those those type of penalties and so why we are having too many uh slowing the game down and all that so they look over and this is not the guy's job but yes he'll tell you you're you're good or you're you're legal or you're not but in this case there's no way in hell he did there's no way he asked for it and if he did shame on that official now the thing now the thing is this too greeny here's what patrick mahomes is saying that Kadarius tony's toe being across the line yeah. had no effect on the play. Which is what, true. He, what he's saying is, in that moment, Mr. Official, understand where we are, understand his toe being on or being over the ball had no effect or in no way gave us an advantage 
over the Buffalo Bills. And all of those things I understand, sort of an unspoken, like, let us play the game. But from Patrick Mahomes' standpoint of, is the official wrong for throwing the flag? Absolutely not. Okay, so there's wrong and then there's wrong, meaning he's right, it was a penalty. Yes. But in that circumstance, in the final minute of a game that has this impact, and we all understand that, with something that does not have any impact on the play at all, should so, so, the so, official so let it go? What, I'm here's, what, here's what I can tell you. Yeah. If he had a freaking DeLorean, he wouldn't have threw it. Right. If he knew that Kadarius Tony's toe being across that line would negate the play of the year, yeah. I promise you he doesn't throw it. In that moment, he's going through his protocol the same way you go through yours for your job. Yeah. In that moment, that's his job. And in that moment, Kadarius Tony is offsides. So he's just throwing that flag. And so I, I would... Hindsight? Hell yeah, we wish he didn't throw it. Right. But he was doing his job. All right, we have obviously so much more to say about it. I will read you verbatim what the head official said afterwards about the decision, and you can make up your own mind. Was it the right or the wrong way for that game to end? In the meantime, much more on the game in Dallas last night. Was this a declaration? Do we now need to change the spelling from D-A-K to M-V-P? We're talking about it. Plus, speaking of MVPs, Brock Purdy leading the Niners to another win. His teammate had a response to all of those who doubt this quarterback's success. We are just getting started. It's Get Up on ESPN. Delicious, meat nutritious, and the snack that packs a real protein punch. Wonderful pistachios, one of the highest protein nuts out there. Each one-ounce serving has 6 grams of protein, giving you over 10% of your daily value. Wonderful pistachios also come in a variety of flavors and sizes, perfect for enjoying with family and friends or taking them with you on the go. And you're on the go a lot, taking the kids to school, hopping from meeting to meeting, shopping for groceries. Well, the good news is, not only are wonderful pistachios a complete protein, providing all all nine essential amino acids, they're also great for all your adventures. So whether you're a pistachio purist who loves cracking open every nut, or you prefer the convenience of no-shells pistachios, Wonderful Pistachios has got you covered. Grab Wonderful Pistachios and elevate your snacking game today. Visit wonderfulpistachios.com to learn more. Reggie White, who's a defensive end for the Green Bay Packers, says that the firebombing of his church in Knoxville, Tennessee this week was the work of racists who may have been trying to hurt him. First there was one fire, then there was another, then there was another. It wasn't just Reggie's church that burnt down. Hundreds of churches burned in the 90s. I think we have a major problem in our country that we don't want to admit, and that has to do with racism. Was this 1996 or 1956? 30 for 30 podcast and Antscape presents Through the Flames. Listen now wherever you get your podcasts. ESPN Tournament Challenge is here. And guess what? I'm doing my bracket right now. Making picks, predicting upsets, winning my bracket group, and leaving my old life as a part-time voice actor behind. Hey, you never know. And if I can do it while recording this awesome commercial, you can too. Anyone can bracket. Download the ESPN Tournament Challenge app to play the number one bracket game. Presented by Allstate. Get Up is brought to you by the Lexus December to Remember sales event. Tis the season to work your magic now through January 2nd. Wake up call Ravens walk off win. Do it. 
Evans hangs a wobbler. Wallace settles under it at the 25. Gets a block. Comes to the near side. 30. Spins out of one tackle. 35. Along the near sideline. 40. He's at midfield. Wallace to the 40. Still on his feet. 30. 20. 10. Celebration time. No flags. Wallace in the end zone. Hayes in the barn. And the Ravens win it in overtime. Crazy finish on a day filled with them. Coming up next, more on the D in Big D, which stands for demolition. You're watching Get Up on ESPN. Death is the only punishment here. Now streaming, FX's Shogun. My master asks, what do you seek here? To vanquish our common enemies. Based on the global bestseller by James Clavell. War is coming. The epic saga of war, passion, and power. Let it come. FX's Shogun, now streaming on Hulu. Bottom of the hour, back on Get Up if you were just getting up and missed the action last night. Just another quick look. Cowboys, Eagles, Dak Prescott started fast, RC. Dak Prescott gets outside of the pocket. He's been using his legs since that San Francisco game. CeeDee Lamb working with him across the field. Lamb had six catches, mm. 71 yards. Nice little celebrations then. It's Jalen Hurts getting the ball stripped here, so it starts badly for the Eagles. It starts badly, but this would be a theme throughout the rest of the game with the Dallas Cowboys searching up the football. And then late in the first half is where everything really turns. As the Eagles are going in to try and score, Micah Parsons gets in for a sack, so Philly is forced to settle for a field goal and then going back the other way. Pick route. Dallas converts a touchdown. On the pick route, that's Michael Gallup, so it's 24 to 6. And then in the final half, seven minutes, it is the Eagles trying desperately to find some way back into it, but we got Marquise Bell punching it out from Devontae Smith. Cowboys force three turnovers. Dak throws for 271, and it is cry, Eagles cry when the night is over and when the morning begins. On ESPN, bet Dak Prescott has become the favorite to win MVP of the league. And I will let you know something you might find surprising. He would be the first Cowboys quarterback ever to win that award. That's That's actually shocking. Roger Staubach didn't. He finished runner-up in 1971. Troy Aikman never won it. Tony Romo never won it. Uh, He would be the first quarterback to do it. Chris Canty, good enough to come over from Unsportsmanlike on ESPN Radio for a couple of minutes with us here. Uh, Your take, we we opened the show talking about it yesterday, and the point was made here. This was a three-horse race at the top of the NFC playoff picture two weeks ago. What is it now? It's a two-team race right now. It it is. It's a two-team race, the Dallas Cowboys and the San Francisco 49ers. And I'm not too sure the Cowboys aren't playing the best football in the National Football League because of the quarterback, Dak Prescott. Since the bye week, week eight, Dak Prescott has been on an absolute terror. The Cowboys have played in seven games. They've won six of them. Dak has 22 touchdowns to only two interceptions and the best QBR in the entire sport. And he's showing you that he can give it to you a lot of different ways. We wanted to see the Cowboys, how they would respond. Trailing, they checked that box last week against the Seattle Seahawks. 
This week, we wanted to see them against a true title contender in the Philadelphia Eagles. Could they win when it was all set up for them? They checked that box in emphatic fashion. And the part that's impressive to me is the leadership and sports character in that locker room because Mike McCarthy was missing during the week of game planning. He had an appendectomy. And this team was all business, especially on the offensive end. Dak Prescott led eight scoring drives. No, seven scoring drives of eight plays or more. Mm, Seven scoring drives of eight plays. That is all about the quarterback and his leadership ability. You know what? I love that Chris brought that up because coming into this game, it was about Dak Prescott, CeeDee Lamb, and Jake Ferguson and what they could do in between the numbers. But if you watch Dak through this game, and I have a tape to show it, it was everybody. Dak Prescott now has full control of this offense at the line of scrimmage and with his decision making. Let's watch CeeDee Lamb here in the slot. He's going to go inside, get back to the post corner, Look at the placement of this football right over the top. And now Jake Ferguson has come along and begin to be a guy that can stretch the field in between the scenes. Everybody knows how hard it is to stop all go special. They hit the two uh, two, uh, safety deep coverage right on the spot. Here, look at this skinny. Dak Prescott puts Mm. the football on the inside shoulder. Beats James Bradbury. Now, this is the play that says the most to me. This is the fourth quarter. It's late in the game. You could sit on the football. Mm -hmm. Dak Prescott gets to the line of scrimmage. He recognizes the single high coverage, knows he has one-on-one in the bottom, and goes to Michael Gallup, a guy that has been forgotten through this year. So, I never would have thought I'd hear myself say this. But I wake up this morning thinking last night is more about the Eagles than it is about the Cowboys. The Cowboys have shown us who they are, and that continued. There is cause for concern for this Philadelphia Eagles team right now, particularly that defense. That defense has been awful. And especially because when you look at defenses, you got to be able to get off, uh, you know, off the field on third down. Yep. They're the worst in the league. They are the worst in the league. It's a poor tackling team. You've got their, you know, this is a vaunted pass rush team. No, they're not. The, where was that pass rush yesterday? All right. I'm sorry. It's, it's not the same defense as it was last year. And I can sit back and tell you what coverage they're in. They do nothing to challenge offenses. And you know what? Until that changes, they're going to get they're going to get beat. I don't care. And look, they may very well win the division with the schedule, the way it's set up, and all yeah. that. They're going nowhere with this defense. The Cowboys have a much tougher road this last month of the season than the Eagles do. So by no means did last night decide the NFC East, despite the fact that it felt like a statement. Meanwhile, we got to get Canty in on what is the story of the morning, maybe the story of the NFL season so far in this monster game between the Chiefs and the Bills. We'll show it to you again. Minute 25 to play. Chiefs down by three points. Here is what would have been the play we talk about forever. Patrick Mahomes, Travis Kelsey. Oh, Taylor Swift would have written an album about the play. <laughs> oh, no. It's going to be a better album. It's about heartbreak. That's what she do. There he is, Tony. She's going to write a song called The Toe That Broke My Heart because his toe is offside. And, and so that, that negates the play. Mahomes incredibly upset afterwards. Tony upset afterwards. The last chance for the, the Chiefs falls short here. This is Mahomes on a fourth down play. He's unbelievably frustrated after the game. We played you the sound bites from him earlier. The Bills get a win they desperately need, and Mahomes is frustrated. We did not get to show you the full quote because we've been so jammed here from Carl Sheffers, who is the uh, head referee. Quote, ultimately, if they look for alignment advice, certainly we are going to give it to them. But ultimately, they are responsible for wherever they line up. And certainly no warning is required, especially if they're lined up so far off sides where they're actually blocking our view of the ball. So we would give them some sort of warning. 
if it was anywhere close. But this particular one is beyond a warning. Chris Canty, <laughs> was the right call made yesterday? It's the right call, but the explanation is ridiculous. If it's beyond or if it's this egregious, then we're not even going to bother with giving the player the warning. In what world, Greeny? In what world? As a former defensive lineman, every single time a guy would get his helmet in the neutral zone, the ref would say, hey, you need to get back. You need to give it back. They will give you a couple of times. Help me with that. Help me with warning. that. He would tell you that while you're lined up. He would tell you, he would tell you that before, before you were lined up. He will tell you between plays. You will get warnings before they throw the flag unless – you being offsides in that particular play leads to you having a competitive advantage. Mm. And that's the part, to me, that's a little bit bothersome with the Kadarius Tony penalty. Nobody's going to argue. By the letter of the law, it's a penalty, and Kadarius Tony should not have done that. There's no excuse. You can't, you can't take away that something so fundamental to the position that you're playing, like lining up offsides. So that's where the frustration's coming from. But the context around this whole thing is the no call that we saw at the end of the Green Bay Packers game, yep. where MBS was clearly in a situation where the defender committed pass interference, the refs didn't call it, it cost the Chiefs a game. So what's good for the goose has got to be good for the gander. If there's a no call, if, that, if there's a no call, we're on the losing side of it, then why are we in a situation where there's a no call where I can be on a winning well, see, side. I, I, think, I think that's the frustration for the Kansas City yes. Chiefs, right? You're starting to feel, we've seen you swallow the whistle. And now for us in this situation where we don't feel like we were able to get a competitive advantage, it's not like Kadarius Toney was able to take the top off of the defense because he had his toe off the line of scrimmage, over the line of scrimmage. Patrick Mahomes is feeling like this is a call you should not make in that moment. If that's the argument, I understand it, but you don't get this pissed off over that argument, right? You don't get this pissed oh, off yeah. over – you don't get yeah. that pissed off over yeah. that play. He's mad because his team continues to take wins from them. His team continues to take food off of the table of the entire organization. That position specifically yeah. continues to make mistakes that cost – you games. And because Patrick Mahomes is such a great leader, is the consummate professional, he's continued to talk those things away, continued to put those on him. He finally had a common enemy. He finally had somebody who wasn't in his locker room, and he was like, the hell with y'all. Rex, Tony Romo, to his everlasting credit on the broadcast, got enraged about this, saying, it's another example of the receivers. All year long, these receivers yes. have been killing yeah. their own team. He said that. Right. Do you think that too much? Down deep, all the yes. way in here, is that who Mahomes is really upset with? Absolutely. And look, Kadarius Tony. Did he did he lose the game to Detroit the first game? Yeah. He dropped yeah, three yeah. balls. Yeah. And won and he, one was a pick six. Now he's had a bad drop here. yesterday. Yeah. Just, uh, like, just not being a professional. You're a professional receiver. You're, you're paid to line up. All right. Alignment and, and assignment. <laughs> and are you paid to catch the football? He, he all right, failed them. Marquez Valdez Scanley, catch the ball, they win a game. All right. We don't get the call. I get it. Racially dropped not a it anyway. Yeah. But I, exactly. But I, I'm sitting back saying this is all about it. And and RC, your point about this is one of the greatest teammates of all time because he sits back. He never, ever calls his teammates out. He wears it, okay? But Every this time. is all about that right here. But this is clearly, look, he the man is offsides, Greeny. Yeah. He is. <laughs> and, and, Chris, I was saying this. Being on the, on the sideline for all the years I was, okay, 
they would come over to me and say, hey, you got you got your big D tackle. Chris yep. Canny is, is crowding the ball too much, Rex. You got to get him up. He'd give me a warning. I've already told him. I've already told him. Okay, so now, we, hey, Chris, you got to get back. All right, that's what you, you have to do. Okay, offensive tackles, notorious for it. All right, hey, we got to get him on the line of scrimmage, yep. Rex. Yep. They, they warn you. Not one time, not one time uh, of all the years I coached did they come over and say, your receiver needs to get back or your <laughs> receiver needs to get on the line. I only have Chris for another minute, so let me just – Can we have the one thing we haven't had a chance to do today because the call – that's one of the greatest plays I've ever seen in my entire oh, yeah. life. Have we, I think we've decided here that it was not called. It was not. not right? that, that was not right. So, so, Travis, show the play again, Cindy. I mean, uh, the, 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 the offsides part of it is so tragic because this would have been the uh, – uh, Chris, this is one of the great plays. Travis Kelsey would have made one of the great plays ever if, if this yeah. thing stands. It just shows you the level of awareness yes. that Kelsey plays the game with, right? Yeah. Not oh. only does he find a spot in the zone to sit down, for, for, for Pat Mahomes to get the ball out, but he makes sure that he's throwing the ball behind, behind where he's at so it's not an illegal forward pass. So it's a situation right there where that's a game-winning play. That should be a game-winning play for Travis Kelsey that was stripped away but that's the by, thing, though. by the lack of focus from KT. We've Eight, said it all year. He's the only player on the team other than Patrick Mahomes offensively that makes game-winning plays. And now they had been stripping them from Patrick the entire year. Now you take it from Travis Kelsey, too. When you look at those two guys, it has to be like the twilight zone. They're so used to doing what they do, elevating the people around them, and now those people are pulling them down. But to be clear, because I think a lot of fans are wondering, that, that play you think he just makes instinctively yeah. in the moment. Dangest thing I've ever seen. And, I mean, because I've seen some hook and ladders, different plays like that. Right, and, right. And people have been creative. And initially I thought, okay, that must have been it. That's not the case. This man, who's got three guys bearing down on him to make a tackle, is still aware that, hey, I got a guy that's lollygagging back there but I'm going to fire him the ball over there and, and have him run for a touchdown. But this is, he it did is, it on his own. But if, if you, if you watch the game yesterday, his first big catch of the game, he was just running around finding a spot. That's the way Travis Kelsey plays football. All right, they're yelling at me. i got to get this man back on the radio. Thank you for coming <laughs> over here, big fella. Chris Canty, unsportsmanlike. It's like five people over there. ESPN. <laughs> every morning. Right, we got not one but two Monday night football games coming your way tonight. Tua and the Dolphins hosting the Titans on ESPN. Jordan Love and the Packers take it on Saquon and the Giants on ABC. Peyton and Eli are on ESPN2. Everything is on ESPN+. Plus. What a night. Coming up, we go around the league. Purdy led the Niners to another win. There's a strong message to the quarterback's doubters, and it's not just from his own team. Rex has a lot to say, and you won't want to miss it next. Let's get up on ESPN. Third and two, back to throw, pumps, runs out to the left, throws on the run, Lamb at the seven, touchdown. Running with it down to the 20, goes out, Cowboys have a fumble. So it's in good position to get to the high red zone area, and we turn the ball over. Good play by the defense, they did a really good job, and they got us. Snap to Prescott, looks left, slant, gallop, touchdown. Uh, it was a great team win, much needed win. we got to turn the page quick, especially in this league, especially with where we've placed ourselves. This was our expectation of the night, and um, we played to our standards, so now it's about doing that again next week. 
So the Cowboys, a huge win, but do not jump to conclusions. The Cowboys, the Eagles, the Niners, all 10-3. and three. But the Eagles have the easiest remaining schedule in the National Football League. The Cowboys have the fourth toughest. So this is going to be a battle right down to the finish. Meanwhile, let's run through some other games we haven't gotten to. Let's talk about San Francisco. Brock Purdy leading the Niners to another win over the Seahawks. And he was practically perfect yesterday. The numbers spectacular. You see them on your screen. 368 yards and two more touchdowns. And here was his big offensive lineman, Trent Williams, on the lack of respect for the QB. His success is not a secret in it. Damn, so I ain't got nothing to do with the system. Not a do with the system. Why are you making that fake? Why are you looking like that? Because it has like a little bit to do with the system. <laughs> I mean, all, quarterba- all quarterbacks are a product of the coaches and the people around him. Yeah. You have the Debo Samuels, the Brandon Ayuk, the George Kittles, the Trent Williams, the Christian McCaffrey's. It's the way that Kyle Shanahan uses all those pieces. But I will say this. We've seen a multitude of quarterbacks operate under Kyle Shanahan in San Francisco, and they ain't been one like this. By the way, I would like to stand up for my dear, beloved friend, Coach Rex Ryan here. Because a few weeks ago, who did you tell me that Brock Purdy reminds you of? Oh, I have Joe Montana. Joe Montana. Oh, my Oh, and the world just mocked Rex. Well, Cindy, give us the graphic. Rex, tell everybody (laughs) what we're saying. uh, Twice in the NFL's history, (laughs) we had a guy with 70% completion rate and, oh, yeah, nine yards per pass attempt. So it's Joe Montana, obviously. And who's that other guy, Brock Purdy? Yeah. Are you kidding me? Hey, I hate to say I'm right again. No, you don't. But what a surprise. I'm <laughs> right again on these quarterbacks. But this kid's absolutely spectacular. I get what Trent Williams is saying, all right, because the, the big guy sit back saying, hey, no, this guy can play, you know. He can play. Because everybody said, well, We've had Dan even say about this quarterback can go there and look terrific. Yeah. No. RC, your point. All these other quarterbacks have been in this system. Nobody has played this good. And the thing that I like the best, look, this isn't the strongest arm guy of all time. Neither was Joe Montana. Yep. Yep. But the the way, the poise, the accuracy, and the timing, Mm -hmm. they throw guys open. That's what this kid does. Like Joe Montana, the mobility, that's what reminded me of Joe Montana. I'm not saying he's going to end up having the kind of career Joe Montana is. I'm saying when I see it, that's what he reminds me of. Right, let me go through some more games here as fast as we can because there's so much on this Sunday. Denver takes care of the Chargers. Justin Herbert's got a broken finger. Broncos get back in the win column. RC, should we be taking Denver seriously? You should. You know why? Because Sean Payton remembered who the hell he was. Mm. Last week against the Houston Texans, he got into throwing the football down the field too much. It was more take the smart throw, push it when you can. And Vance Joseph was so aggressive defensively with sending second-level players at the quarterback. This is a team that's can be, that can be difficult to beat down the stretch. And, Rex, was this, do we believe, the end, the, the beginning of the end of yes. Brandon Staley in L.A.? Well, you know, I'm a big fan of his. <laughs> uh, but I've been calling for this bro. forever. And <laughs> now the quarterback's hurt. Let's see how you're going to do with it with, without a Hall of Fame quarterback. You can't win with him. You're damn sure ain't going to win without him. So, yes, it, it is. But, hey, t- I mean, to the point, Vance Joseph yeah. was, I mean, I've I sat here and, like, crucified him after that 70-point performance. Yeah. They were horrendous for the first four weeks of the season. Since that time, 
This Denver Bronco defense is playing as well as anybody. They are, man. And so to Vance Joseph's credit and to Sean Payton's credit, too. Sean Payton also helps that defense the way he's calling that, you know, plays. This is what happens when you have a real football coach, okay? And a guy that has taken a Hall of Fame quarterback, and oh, by the way, he's looking a lot, lot like he used to look now, mm. isn't he? All right, so this team, to me, without question, is a playoff. So the team. Broncos have a chance to get there. Meanwhile, one player in the NFL had the best game of his career yesterday, and that player was Zach Wilson in a Jets win on a wet field mm. against the Texans. Rex, they had zero points at halftime. Yep. He was spectacular. I mean, no other way to say it. He was sensational in the second half. Yeah, he absolutely was. And that's why it still drives me crazy that we would bench him for two weeks. Had no business doing that. This kid's got an unbelievable NFL skill set. And we saw it in the rain where, by the way, a guy that was getting MVP considerations couldn't do anything in mm-hmm. this game. Later got concussed. We yeah. get it. But... I mean, let's give Zach Zach Wilson credit here because he certainly deserves it. I just it. want to say this. The Zach Wilson that plays like he doesn't care can actually play. Mm-hmm. Remember against yeah. Kansas City early on in the season, yeah. we were like, oh, man, Zach's done. They're not going to – after this game, he's going to be bitch. He comes out – plays extremely well. There was a second half early on. I can't remember exactly what game, but he had to find a way to make some throws. He's getting outside the pocket, pushing the football down the field. When Zach lets it go, he can actually show the talent that got him drafted in the top two. It was the last drive against the Giants. That's what it was. Absolutely. Which was also in a rainstorm uh, at home. And We hope C.J. Stroud is okay. That was a scary looking play. His head hit the turf really hard. But as far as this is concerned, it's too late for the Jets to get into playoff consideration or anything like that, but there is still something to be played for for them, and that is figuring out what's going to happen with Zach Wilson. Yesterday was definitely the best game he's ever played. As we continue more on the Sunday night statement, the D and Big D stood for demolition. Is this finally the year for the Cowboys? More on that, more on the call. What a morning we've got. Stay with us. Get up on ESPN.